I'm Maureen Bellatori, and this is Spilled Salt. It's a podcast on the thrills and spills from the food, beverage, and agriculture industries. Today's guest is Alicia Lamb. She is marketing and genetics man- manager with Oakfield Corners Dairy. That's really shortchanging uh, Alicia's efforts and impact on the Oakfield Corners Dairy Farm. Uh, but nevertheless, title aside, Oakfield Corners is a 12th generation. 10,000 cow dairy based in Western New York. Uh, They have four locations and today's conversation today is really focused on what they are doing at Oakfield to how they, you know, logistically manage um, milking 10,000 cows. We also talk about how the media is asking a lot of questions today about what uh, the dairy farming industry is doing to our sustainability and ecosystem. Um, And so Alicia addresses that in the conversation. We talk about education of the next generation of farming advocates and some of the new products that are in the pipeline for Oakfield Corners Dairy. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Alicia, how are you today? Good, how are you doing, Maureen? Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I would love for you to start with a little bit of background. Can you tell everyone about who you are and what is Oakfield Corners Dairy? All right, I can do that. Uh, I'm Alicia Lamb. My husband, Jonathan, is one of the owners and managers here at Oakfield Corners Dairy. Uh, I'm actually originally from Florida, so I am a complete crazy person to be up here in Western New York. Yes, you um, are. <laughs> I am, right? Yes. But uh, I've been up here over half my life now and enjoying it and uh, enjoy working with the cows, love working with the cows, obviously, or I would not be doing it. Um, so Oakville Corners Dairy is uh, my husband, Jonathan, and his brother are 12th generation farmers. And primarily from Western New York, they've been in uh, Western New York for five or six generations now. Uh, prior to that, in, uh, they immigrated from, I think it was the UK, into the East Coast. So East Coast, Northeasterners uh, all the way through. Uh, we, yes, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, what, what brought them to Western New York? So honestly, I don't know the origins of that. Um, I just know as we went back through the history, I, like I said, I should, I should know exactly like five or six generations ago, they moved from Massachusetts to Western mm. New York, whether they were trying to find gold or, or whatever <laughs> the case may have been back in the day, I'm not certain, but they settled here, uh, in Western New York. So got it. Yeah. Great. And what does the farm primarily produce? Yeah. So we are a dairy farm. We milk about 10,000 dairy cows on four locations. It was not always that way. I should mm. uh, point that out. So uh, back in the 60s, Jonathan's dad and grandfather were typical dairy farmers milking about 50 cows. And then um, they've always done a tremendous job on managing cows well and keeping cows healthy and keeping them around. So that allowed them to grow internally to the size that we are now. There's been some purchases here and there, but it's mostly been through internal herd growth. So keeping cows alive, keeping them uh, healthy, keeping them happy, if you want to call it that on the farm, keeping them, um, keeping calves around, uh, just allowing them to grow into the size that we are now, which again, I I think I said, we're milking uh, just over 10,000 cows. 
And how unique is that? I mean, it sounds it sounds pretty unusual. Many of the farms that we meet, especially in New York State, are considerably smaller. So how how unique is it for to have that many cows in a U.S. dairy farm? Yeah. So in the Northeast, I would say it's pretty unique. Um, the average dairy farm in New York, I should know this, but I believe it's around 200 cows. Oh, so really? We, wow, that's yeah. much smaller than I thought. Yeah, so we are pretty unique here in New York and especially throughout the Northeast. As you look at the population of dairy farms across the U.S. as a whole, I think there's like 35,000 farms left in the U.S., something like that. Um, there's a lot of really, really large farms through the Midwest and through the mm -hmm. Southwest. So um, yeah, 10,000 cows sounds like a lot, but if you go visit some farms, say in Texas or New Mexico or something like that, you know, they're milking 60,000 or so. So we're kind of a, we're, we're pretty small by comparison as you look at other areas of the country. Right. And how, what does that look like from a logistics perspective? You know, how many employees do you have? How much milk are you producing? Yeah, so, you know, 10,000 cows, it's it's not that we're just milking cows and that's all we do. You know, we right. really are focusing on caring for these animals uh, so that they, they are healthy and and, uh, and are productive. If they're not healthy, then then they don't produce milk, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, right. Yeah, so it takes a lot of people to do that. So mm -hmm. between all of our locations, it's about 150 uh, employees that are full-time. Uh, we do raise our crops. And we do hire out some, um, some crop management to help with that, primarily truck drivers uh, and things like that to help get crops harvested. And in, you mentioned not just milking. So I know that showing the cows is a big thing for Oakfield Corners. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, again, a little bit of a unique uh, aspect of what we do is our genetics program here on the farm. Um, and one thing I'm again, I mentioned I'm from Florida and Jonathan grew up here in Western New York and we both showed cows as kids. That's that's mm -hmm. what got me involved. I didn't come from a dairy farm. So that's how I got involved in the dairy industry was through showing through 4-H and FFA. Um, so that's something that continued into adulthood that we enjoyed. And we learned that we were able to um, show cows as a hobby, but we've also developed our program into a a financially successful portion of our business. So yeah, so we show locally uh, and across the state of New York. Uh, we also show nationally. We actually just a week or so ago uh, got back from World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin, which is like the Super Bowl of dairy shows, right? So yep. it's, uh, it's the big one for us. And we had a very successful run out in Madison, very happy with the results that we had. And I think your we were able to catch up with Alicia and do some samplings, which we'll talk about a little bit later in yes. this episode um, at World Dairy Expo. Talk about the logistics of that a little bit. I mean, we touched on it a bit when we were talking at, at Expo, but how many cows do you bring in? What does that look like? Yeah, it's crazy. So back when we started 20 something years ago with our show program, we would just send a cow or two and just send them with somebody else and mm -hmm. we'd show up and everything is easy, right? So as our program has evolved, um, this year we had 26 cattle in our string, our show string. Uh, so that takes a lot more effort to pull that together. So mm -hmm. uh, we had about 10 people that worked with us out there. 
So about one person for two, uh, you know, two cows or so. Um, and again, that's a pretty intense uh, effort to pull those people together uh, to care for them the way that they need to be cared for it out there. I mean, it's, it's a long drive. It's like a 13-hour right. drive. Uh, we had all 26 cattle on, on one of those big pot trailers, so those double-decker trailers. So getting them out there, getting them cared for, um, preparing feed. You know, we don't want to change their diets as they transition oh, to be great 13 point. hours away. So we yeah. take feed for them, make sure that their rations stay the same, uh, and all the equipment that goes along with that, milking equipment, uh, bedding, so straw and shavings for bedding and, and water bowls. And it, it's it's a huge effort that goes into that. And we're, we're very fortunate that we've got a group of people here on farm and that we trust uh, in different areas of the country that uh, pull it all together for us. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's a, it's an important part of the business. And so, you know, I'm confident with 10,000 cows and with the scale that you've grown that to, that the juice is worth the squeeze, as I like to say. So that that's an important, you know, kind of unit of measure, right. To bring those cows to the show, to continue to grow the genetics program at Oakfield. It is, you know, and, and again, it's fun for us. It's, it's how I got involved. I mentioned that, um, but it's an important part of our business. It's something that we're able to market the genetics from those cattle. We're able to, you know, the big thing is I have, I have a seven and a nine-year-old and they're starting to get involved a little bit. So my daughter showed a calf out there this year and, and to see the excitement that she had and that some of the young people have from, from here at our farm, as well as, you know, through New York and across the country, um, that that's our future to get involved, to stay involved. And so us uh, having that program allows us to continue that, that and hopefully keep that next generation involved on the farm as well. Yeah, I love that. You mentioned that you got involved in 4-H and FFA and showing cows as a kid, but you didn't grow up on a farm. So how did you get into, what, what made you want to get into those programs without having the direct on-farm experience went, that you grew up on? Yeah, so... Um, my father was an ag teacher mm. and introduced the dairy program to his ag students at the time. And, and so I got to see that when I was really young and I was like, oh, that looks like fun. I want to do that. And, yeah. and my parents somehow crazily went along with that idea. <laughs> and here I am, however many years later, uh, you know, working with 10,000 cows. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was just something that uh, looked like a cool thing to do. <laughs> and yeah. It, uh, yeah, it, it grew a uh, spark of interest. And, you know, here I am. It's my life, my livelihood now. Yeah. And I think that 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 echoes the importance of bringing agriculture into the schools, right? And kind of helping that next generation get involved with where their food comes from and, you know, the ecosystem mm -hmm. of agriculture. Yeah, it's huge, you know, and we've been fortunate here. Uh, I was always amazed. So I came up through FFA and 4-H. And I was amazed when I moved to Western New York, because it's such a, an agriculturally diverse area, that there was no ag in schools in this area. Mm. And so, yeah, I was like, what in the world? It's crazy. Um, so over the past four or five years now, both of the local schools in the area have introduced ag programs. Yeah. And I think that's so important like for, for young people to know where their food comes from and to know yeah. everything that goes into producing food because it's more than just walking to the grocery store and buying a gallon of milk or a banana or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think in that vein of understanding, right, seeking understanding about the ag ecosystem and dairy specifically, there's certainly a lot of discussion in the news about dairy farming in general, and specifically about how large scale farms treat cows poorly and dairy farming is bad for the environment. Now, I know you've spoken a number of times already in this discussion in the last 10 minutes about health and happiness of the cows, but what's your opinion on that? I mean, how do you respond or, or when somebody asks you kind of just in passing, oh, you run a dairy farm and you can see the judgment in their eyes, right? <laughs> how do you respond? Yeah, you know, we get a lot of tours here. Most of them are ag-related tours, so there's an understanding and an appreciation for what we do. But occasionally, you know, we do get the community tour and you get those questions or school student tours, you know, and you get mm -hmm. those questions. And I understand where they come from, honestly, because I think, what are we, three generations on average removed from, on you know, from direct farming in this country. So it's understandable. People just don't know and don't understand. Um, but, but the big thing is I like to take them into the barn and show them how the cows are housed, show them how we are, uh, you know, we're keeping their, their stalls, their beds clean and well-groomed and well, uh, the bedding that we use is, you know, it's fluffy, it's comfortable, um, that we're feeding them all the time. You know, the, the, the cows are, it, I had a friend that used to say, man, I just want to be a cow because they just... <laughs> You know, they're making the beds or we're making the beds for them and we're feeding them all the time. They get to, they have to work an hour a day, essentially, you know, we're yeah. milking our cows three times a day. So it's about 15 minutes or so that they're out of their group. So they get to, you know, they have to work about an hour a day. And other than that, they're eating, they're drinking, they're hanging with their girlfriends and, and yep. sleeping and and so really, you know, that's really an important focus for us as farmers is to ensure that those cows are, again, they're happy, they're healthy, because if they're not, then they, they're they not productive. And Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so two things I want you to elaborate on, and I'll, I'll start with one and then I'll go back yeah. to the other. You just mentioned then they're not productive, right? So speak to that a little bit, because I don't think that the general you know public understands yes. what that means. Yeah, correct. I, and thank you for uh, catching that. Yeah. So if they're not productive, they're not producing milk. And, you know, we are a business. We have to look at our farm as, as much as we love the animals that we work with. And it is our lifestyle. It is our family uh, for many generations now. We are running a business and we have to look at it in that regard and make business decisions. And so if a cow is not productive, she's not making enough milk to pay for everything that right. uh, we're putting into her. She's not making enough to pay for her food or or to pay for you know the management that goes into that, the labor involved with with bedding and, and things of that nature. So yeah, so it is important for us uh, that that cow is productive, and and we know our break even costs and and where they need to be on a daily basis to achieve that. So uh, yeah, all those things come into play. Yeah, and so ultimately, happier cows make for better milk, right? Not only in yes. terms of the quality, but also in the production volume. Yeah, and that's one thing, and I'm glad you mentioned the quality aspect because mm -hmm. that's something that we're very proud of um, at all of our locations, and something we've really focused on for however many years and generations now is is not just 
you know, milk from our cows in production levels, but quality milk. Right. So we're really focusing on high components. So butter fat and protein, which makes butter, cheeses, ice cream, dairy products like that. And then also, uh, again, it comes back to the management of our cows, keeping them healthy, that they have a lower somatic cell count. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all this discussion or there used to be about, um, pus and milk, which I hate that term because it's it's so gross and disgusting, right? But um, healthier cows don't, you know, they have healthy and good quality milk. And so that's something that we focus on uh, here at the farm as well. Um, So for example, the cooperative that we ship our milk to here in New York is Upstate Niagara. Mm -hmm. So um, you see that brand in the stores and then um, Bison is one of the sub brands that has the dips, the chip dips and sour creams and all that. So that's upstate Niagara milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and our cooperative has quality levels and we're very proud that we've met the highest quality level um, for 17 years now on this farm alone. And, and at the other farms, you know, for about the same amount of time is, it's hugely important to us that we're putting out quality milk for our, for the consumers to enjoy healthy foods that, that yeah. we produce every day. Yeah. Yep. That's a great point. Um, so the other thing I wanted to go back to was you mentioned that when you're showing the farm operation, there's kind of a new understanding for the community of what is actually involved in a dairy operation and specifically yours, right? Like, I think the other thing about what we see in the media may be a farm problem, right? It may be a problem for a farm that doesn't have the same values that you do and kind of goals that you do about high quality, happy cows and and that sort of thing. We, um, at 29, we went on a farm tour of a local farm a couple summers ago. And one of the things that they mentioned was that the, that the cows build friendships. And so they, when you say they hang out with their girlfriends, they literally get, you know, friend groups that they, they do. Yes. with, which is so cool. But I want to, I want to draw that to, you have a pretty significant Instagram following, which also shows that people want to see that kind of behind the scenes content. So what kind of things do you typically share on Instagram and what do people typically respond to best? Yeah. So a lot of what I've done with our Instagram account is it's more focused with the genetics, I would say, Mm. and, and, and the cows that we work with. Um, so that's, you know, what we do is we work with cows. <laughs> but the big thing is, is um, a lot of people do feel that us as a large operation, you know, people aren't going to always come to the farm. So trying to give a, a little bit of a behind the scenes look, if you want to call it that once yeah. in a while, um, there's a lot of misperceptions about how cows are managed. Like, so I'll, I'll use this for an example. Uh, we had a tour group, a community group here three weeks ago and show the you know the the group the parlor the cows are milking and she's like oh so the cows just go around and around all day on the parlor and i'm like no cows are milked three times a day i said this you know each turn is is a 10 minute turn on our parlor we have a rotary parlor it's almost like a a carousel if you want to call it that yep and she was so confused and i i walked her around i said look see the cows are loading on She's getting off. Well, where do they go when they get off? I said, see, there's the barn over there. And then we walked over to the barn and she's like, oh my gosh, I thought these cows just went around all day. I had no idea. Oh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what are we doing as an industry that 
some of the, the basics of, of how we are, are managing and working with our cows every day are so misconstrued by consumers and by the public. So, you know, again, that behind the scenes look of, of how we're doing some different things, how we're milking the cows, how, you know, every once in a while when, when our, our team is bedding the cows, you know, what we're doing to bed the cows or when they're feeding the cows or mixing the feed or, or whatever. Yeah, uh, just trying to share some of that. I think people uh, appreciate that. I would mm-hmm. say, and and really improve their understanding and learning of of us as an industry. Yeah, yep. I think that's it's important work, and that's what I try to do here with the podcast too. Is kind of reveal different segments of the industry and kind of help people understand things that they may not have realized about a particular. Um, aspect of the of agriculture yeah. specifically and you know um, the yeah. industry has evolved so much over time i think people don't you know and it's my again my kids are seven and nine and in school they, they present you know farming is still the the old man and the pitchfork and and overalls in the straw hat and it's like oh my gosh we are so beyond that you know yeah uh and the some of the technology and and, and how we're managing cows and, and not just cows but crops as well it's uh yeah we need to do better as an industry to promote our our foods and and what we do yeah yep couldn't agree more um, so speaking of that, I think one of the interesting ways that uh, is happening in our local regional ecosystem that is helping to advocate for and drive awareness of and amplify the work of Northeast Dairy is the Northeast Dairy Product Innovation Competition, which you just recently won. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And so for a little background for our listeners, uh, that competition supports food innovators in launching value-added dairy products made from ingredients that were produced in the Northeast. So fill everybody in a little bit on what your pitch was and what you'll be doing um, since winning that competition. Yeah. So one aspect that we've been really wanting to become involved in is producing food here on farm. So whether it was milk, cheese, direct to consumers, I should say. Um, And it's something that Jonathan, my husband, and I have talked about for years, and we just were so busy with the farm and mm-hmm. now with our family. Uh, we just really didn't have the opportunity to investigate that fully. So um, our intern from last year came on full time, and we asked her if she might be interested in pursuing this, and she agreed to. She had a little bit of a, a processing background. And so as we began this journey, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. of uh, food production, we came across Mexican style cheeses, which seems like in hindsight, you know, hindsight's 2020. It's like, duh, <laughs> like, this is such a need for, for our community and, and for our area. So um, what is it? 65 million Hispanic people living in the U.S. There's, you know, I think 20 something percent of the population here in New York state is Hispanic. And we have a lot of Hispanic workers that work with us on a daily basis on the farm to care for the cows. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really realize the struggles that those guys go through to find foods that they want to eat. And so it, it's been a learning experience for us and something that I think we have a much greater appreciation for some of the cultural differences that uh, some of our Hispanic friends have. So yeah, we are making queso fresco right now. 
and the guys love it, uh, which is a great thing because um, <laughs> it's really important for us to have uh, culturally representative foods that they enjoy. So uh, queso fresco is our first cheese. We are in the process of developing Oaxaca cheese as a second. And I think our third one is gonna be Chihuahua, which is like a melting quesadilla style cheese. So we're in the process of developing those recipes. We have to, um, again, get approval from our Hispanic team that it is correct. It is culturally uh, uh, representative of their desires and uh, gonna start working on distribution here soon as well. So we're very excited about this process and uh, a little bit nerve wracking, but it'll be a good thing for us. Yeah. And I love that it was built out of need, right? You kind of saw the opportunity with this audience is not being well served with high quality product, which is something that we're passionate about. You found the opportunity with the innovation competition and sort of put two and two together, right? And said, this feels like a great opportunity to throw some fuel on the fire to make this happen. And so when I mentioned earlier about, we tasted something at the World Dairy yes. Expo, Alicia and, and Oakfield Corners had some initial samplings of the Oaxaca cheese available there. That's what it was, right? The uh, queso Oaxaca, fresco there, yeah. The queso, that fresco. The queso fresco, yeah. Got it, delicious. I have I brought some home, it's in my fridge. <laughs> oh yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, and uh, so we're, we're playing around with that. And I uh, I actually been playing around with a few different recipes with it as well, just, just because because and uh, yeah so yeah no it's a good thing and so talk about that experience a little bit in terms of you know kind of the cultural awareness right of creating something for your Hispanic friends you know and and aligning with the cultural preferences there and kind of doing honor and justice to that while also fitting in with the kind of the big picture marketing and the pitch that you had to do for the competition. How did you navigate that? Yeah, you know, and it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, we were, I should back up and say we're very fortunate that uh, through the competition, when we were selected as one of the top 10 finalists, that they paired us with a mentor that mm -hmm. helped us with some of this as well, some of our uh, business design and and we were paired with you guys as well so you guys have helped us through this journey with uh with things immensely as well but the biggest thing for us is that we wanted a product that was unique on the marketplace mm -hmm. um there's i don't know how many cheddar cheeses out there yeah. and they're all great I, i'm a i love cheese so i you know no no disrespect to anyone but uh we really wanted a product that was unique and again learning about the challenges that that the people that we work with every day were facing was the biggest eye-opening experience for us. And, and there's not a lot. Of, there's, I think, one, if I remember correctly, one plant in all of New York State that is producing Mexican-style cheeses, which is crazy to think mm -hmm. of because it's such a huge population here in New York State. Um, so going through that experience, being sensitive to the cultural needs of our, our, our Hispanic friends, making sure that we're navigating that correctly. We're including them in the process. Um, we're also including, we got a person that's gonna help us as we are working with some of the Mexican grocery stores in the area right. so that we're ensuring that we're getting the product in as they want it, as they want it packaged, as you know, the labeling and, and, and all that, making sure that we've got it just uh, correct in that regard as well. So. It's uh, it, it's been a very distinct learning curve for us, 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I've, I've hit a certain age. I didn't think I could learn too much more, but here I'm learning something every day, which is great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, I love that you're really thinking full picture about, you know, making sure that you're launching that in a way that is respectful while also still works for the business um, yeah. too. So that's great. Um, what's next as we just wrap up here, what's next for Oakfield? What does the future hold? Is it, is it more cows? Is it more value added products? You know, what is, what does the future hold for you? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So we're going to continue to focus on our genetics program. That's a a big part of what I do, what our team enjoys doing. So we're going to do that. Uh, Keeping uh, our cows happy, keeping them milking well, uh, always trying to improve that scenario wherever we can, uh, improving barn design as we need to and and keeping up with technology, which is a a huge function right now. And then... um, the probably the biggest thing on the horizon is our cheese product. We, yeah. we bought a cheese vat. We're in the process of uh, building a room to uh, to start manufacturing cheese here on the farm soon, and uh, looking forward to getting that venture started and and hopefully getting that product into some more mainstream stores eventually for all of our uh, friends, the Hispanic friends, of course, but everybody else who just enjoys good quality food. That's uh, yeah. We're hoping to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Alicia, thanks so much for joining me today, for sharing your story, for being open, um, you know, for any question that I, that I threw your way, really appreciate you helping to educate um, folks on, on what it's like to be working on a 12th generation, 10,000 cow dairy farm. So thanks again so much for yeah. your time. No, thank you. Thanks for including me. It's always a lot of fun and always love, uh, trying to get the good message of dairy out there to everybody. Thank you for listening to Spilled Salt. I'm Maureen Bellatori. For more information about the podcast, visit www.agency-29.com. If you have questions for me or you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send a message using the contact form on the website. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.